Well, good morning and happy Sabbath to each and every one of you out there. I want to welcome you to our online worship this morning. Thank you so much for being here. So glad that you can join us this morning. I hope that you had a good week and I hope that you had you are having a blessed Sabbath so far. So friends, welcome and thank you so much for joining us here. Now, before we go into the message, as usual, friends, I want to encourage you to share your praises with us. Just, you know, I want you to know that we read every single comment. When you paste your uh, comments there, when you share your praises, we read them. And it is encouraging to us to see your praises and to see how God has been good to you. And I'm sure that people who read your comments, who read your praises are also encouraged. So please, friends, go ahead and share your praises with us. Share with us what you are thankful for. Share with us how God has been good to you this week. And I want to share my praise. My praise for this morning is, I want to praise God for healing. You know, just this past week, I think it was on a Monday, I played basketball with some of the guys, okay? Just to exercise and just to socialize, we played basketball. And while I was playing basketball, you know, the, the ball uh, came and it, it jammed, basically hit my finger and my finger got jammed. And, you know, I was not, it was so painful. It was swollen. I was not able to use my right hand like normal and it was just really painful uh, but I just really want to praise God for healing you know I, I had to type this sermon as I was preparing and I had to use my hands for that so I praise God for the speedy recovery uh, my my hand and my finger feels a lot better now I'm able to use my right hand uh, almost like normal not a hundred percent yet maybe 90 percent but I just want to praise God for healing and for protection could have been a lot worse but I praise God for healing. So friends, what are your praises? Please go ahead and share with us. Even if it's a small praise, it doesn't matter. It can still bring, you know, encouragement to others who read it. You know, God, um, He doesn't care whether we praise Him for the big things or the small things. You know, he, to Him, every single praise, every single, um, you know, when we give thanks to Him, all of that matters. So friends, Please don't think that you need some big praise, then only you can share. No, even the small praises matter to God. So please, please go ahead and share your praise, praises with us. I look forward to reading and seeing more comments, more praises so that I can read and so that I can be blessed as well. So please, friends, go ahead and share with us. Well, the title of my sermon this morning is Tongue Without Guile tongue without guile. And we will be continuing, as usual, um, the book of James. Now, we've looked at uh, two chapters in the book of James, and this morning we will be looking at the third chapter. But before we go into the message, I'd like to invite you to bow your heads with me as we open with the word of prayer. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for the gift of life. Thank you so much for this Sabbath day that we can come and we can worship you. And I thank you so much for how you have led us through another week. Thank you so much for your blessings in our lives. Thank you so much for all the goodness and all the love and all the mercy that you have given us. And Lord, as we just take this time now to continue our study in the book of James, may you lead us, O Lord. May you grant us wisdom and understanding. And I pray, I plead, for the Holy Spirit to be here, to teach us, to guide us into all truth, so that we may understand, so that we may listen to your voice speaking to us. 
And I pray that you would speak directly to us. Help us, Lord, to see what you are calling us to do. And I pray that at the end of this message, we will know, Lord, what is the personal decision that we must make for you. And so we're asking that you would bless us in this time, guide our hearts and minds, remove every distraction, and help us to have a mind and heart that is in tune with you. Thank you so much for hearing and for answering our prayers. For I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So friends, as I mentioned, we are continuing our study in the book of James. And this morning, we are looking at James chapter 3. Now, just a recap so far before we go into this chapter. In James chapter 1, you know, James talked about the need of having patience. You know, the need of enduring trials and temptations so that you can produce patience and so that patience can work perfection in you. Right? James says to count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Right? Every trial, every temptation that we face in life will work patience, which will eventually shape and perfect our character if we know what to do. If we know how to go through that temptation and we need, we need to ask for wisdom. We need to ask for wisdom so we know how to endure trials and temptations. Now in James chapter 2, we talked about the faith of Jesus. And James told us what it means to have the faith of Jesus. How can we have it? How do we know if we have it? Right? And one of the things that he talked about is not being partial. Remember, if we have the faith of Jesus, we will not be partial in our treatment towards others. We will treat every single person the same. And guess what? Faith without works is dead. If we truly have the faith of Jesus, it will be shown in the works that we do. So that's what we saw in James chapter 1 and James chapter 2. Now in James chapter 3, he is going to give us insight into what it means for the 144,000 not to have any guile in their mouth. He is going to be talking about the tongue and about our words. Well, this morning, I want to begin with this verse, which can be found in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 5. Notice what the Bible says. It says here, And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault, before the throne of God. You see here, the Bible says that the 144,000, they have no what? They have no guile in their mouth. Now the word guile just means deceit. The 144,000 do not have any deceit, any lies in their mouth. Now remember that in the introduction to the book of James, James was addressing the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad. Do you remember that? We saw that in James chapter 1. And we also saw that that is a symbol of the 144,000. So James is writing to a group of people, us, who should be part of the 144,000. Those who should strive to be part of this special group. And in this chapter, James is going to tell us how we can have no guile in our mouth so that we can be part of this special group. He's going to teach us about the importance of guarding our tongue and our mouth. And He is going to show us the significance of our words. Well, with that, let's go to James chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says this. 
James chapter 3 and verse 1, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Now here in James chapter 3, James begins by telling us that we should not be many masters. We should not be many masters. Now what does James mean that we should not be many masters? Now if you look at the original meaning of the word masters, the word masters there can also mean teachers. So James is really saying that not many of us should become teachers. Now why is that? Aren't, aren't we called to, to teach? Aren't we called to be teachers in our days, right? To teach God's truth? Why is it that James is telling us not many of you should be teachers? Why is he saying that? What is his reason? Well, from this verse, he says that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Now, in other words, when we become teachers, we will be judged by a higher standard. We will be judged with great severity compared to other people. You see, as a teacher, we assume greater responsibility and we will receive more condemnation when we do something wrong. So James is saying, not many of us are fit to be teachers. Not many of us are qualified to be teachers. For many of us, it would be safer for us not to be teachers. And you see, as a teacher, something that you will use the most is what? What does it mean to teach? What do you use? You use your words. That's how you teach. You speak, you use your words. You see, as a teacher, you have a higher responsibility in the way you use your words. So in this chapter, James is going to tackle the issue of words. He's going to be talking about how we can control our tongue. He's going to be talking about the issue that we all face, the fact that we all struggle with our words. Well, let's continue reading in James chapter 3 and verse 2. The Bible says this, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle his whole body. Now here James gives us another reason why many of us should not be teachers. He says that in many things we offend all. Now where else in the book of James have we seen this word offend? Well, let's go to the book of James chapter 2 and let's look at what it says. James chapter 2 and verse 10, the Bible says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. You see, offending is connected to breaking the law of God. So James is saying that we are sinners. We offend God when we break His law. But James is also saying that if we do not offend with our words, then we become perfect. We are able to bridle the whole body. Now the word bridle means to curb or to control, to bring in subjection. In other words, James is saying that if we can control our words, if we can control our tongue, if we can control what comes out of our mouth, we can control our whole body. We can control our whole actions. But friends, the opposite is also true. If you are not able to control your tongue, you are not able to control your words, you are not able to control your actions. You are not able 
to control your whole body. Let's continue reading James chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Notice what the Bible says. It says here, Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Now here James gives an illustration to help us understand better our words and also our tongue. Now what does James compare our tongue to? Here in the verses we just read, he compares it to the bits that they put in the horse's mouth and also the helm of the ship. Now what is the point that James is trying to make here? You see, when you think about the bits that they put in the horse's mouth, when you think about the helm that is used to control the ship, you know, those are really small items. The horse is so big, but the bit is so small. The ship is so huge, but the helm is just a small object. Yet, you can use that bit to control the whole horse. You can use the helm to control the whole ship. In a similar way, James is helping us to understand that, you know, our tongue is small. Compared to the rest of the body, it is small. It's a small member. It's a small organ. But guess what? Our tongue can control our whole body. It is powerful enough to control our whole body. It is powerful enough to control our actions. The tongue is powerful enough to shape our characters. Notice James chapter 3 and verse 5. It's, he says, Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Friends, what does it take to light a fire? Just one match. Just one small match is enough to light a whole fire. And that fire can cause great destruction. In a similar way, our tongues, while it may be small, but if we are not careful in the way that we control it, in the way that we use it, it can cause a great destruction. You see, we can light a fire in the lives of people if we are not careful by the way we use our tongue. Our words can be a source of destruction to, to the lives of people. We can cause fires and destruction in the lives of people by the wrong use of our words. You see, friends, we must be so careful with the way we speak. You know, we may think that words are so small, that words are so insignificant, that it doesn't matter what words I use, doesn't matter the way I speak. But James is helping us to understand that when we fail to control our tongue, we also fail to control our actions. We fail to control our body. We fail to control our characters. You see, the tongue is so small, but it can control the whole body. Words are so, seem so small, but they can either destroy someone or lift them up. And James is helping us to understand the significance of our words. Well, let's continue reading James chapter 3 and verse 6. He says here, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, 
and it is set on fire of hell. Now James adds to his previous point by saying that our tongues are like a world of iniquity. You see, from our tongues come a multitude of sin. And when we do not control our tongues, it defiles the whole body. And eventually, friends, we will end up in hell. Now you see the word hell there in this verse. When you look at the original meaning, you look at the Greek word of this word, hell, the word, the Greek word is Gehenna. Now the word Gehenna means a place of burning or eternal destruction. This is talking about the final destruction at the end of time. This is talking about when Jesus will come again the third time and all sin and all wickedness will be destroyed in the fires of hell. This is talking about the eternal destruction that will take place at the end of time. James is helping us to understand here that when we do not control control our words, when we fail to control our mouth, we can be lost. We will be destroyed at the end of time if we do not control our words. Our words can cause us to be lost. Our words can cause us to end up in the fires of hell. Well, notice what the Bible says in the book of Matthew, chapter 12, 36 and 37. Notice what it says here. But I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. You see, friends, the Bible tells us that every word we speak will be taken into account in the day of judgment. God is watching every single word that we speak, every single word that, that comes out of our mouth. You see, the words that we speak can either cause us to be saved or cause us to be lost. Now, I'm not saying that you can be saved if you speak good words. I'm not saying also that you can be lost if you speak bad words. But our words can cause us to lose salvation. Do you see that, friends? We can lose salvation if we are unable to control our words. Friends, this is serious stuff. Our words are important. The way we use our tongue is important. And the Bible is helping us to understand and realize we need to change the way we speak. We need to control our tongues. We need to control our words. Our words are just as important as our actions, if not even more important. It is just as important, friends, for us to control the way we speak. Not only the way we act, not only the way we think, but also the way we speak. We need to guard our words and our mouths today. Well, let's continue. James chapter 3, 7 and 8. The Bible says, For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. You see, James here is saying that every beast and animal that is living on earth can be tamed. You know, you think of the fiercest animal that is living in the world right now, right? What is it? Maybe it's a lion. Maybe it's a cobra. You know, these are animals that have been tamed. You know, there are videos you can watch of snake charmers or, you know, people that 
you know, they, they, they live with the lions, they sleep with the lions, and the, the lions are licking them, and they're so tame. You see, these fierce animals can be tamed and have been tamed by man. These animals have been tamed. But guess what? James is saying that the tongue no man can contain. When it comes to our tongues, no man can tame it. Now when James says that no man can tame it, it means that only God can tame the tongue. He's helping us to understand that we cannot do it on our own. And so friends, we need to ask God to help tame our tongue. You see, when we pray, part, our, part, sorry, part of our daily prayer should be for God to tame our tongue. It should be for God to take control of our tongues. We need to pray for God to give us His words. We need to pray for God to give us His Holy Spirit so that He can guide our conversation. And you see, friends, this is a big thing. You know, I struggle a lot with my words. And so really, as I'm preaching this message, it's as if I'm preaching to myself here. You know, I, I am not excluded. I am very much included in this, in this sermon here. You know, I struggle a lot with my words. You know, it's so easy for me to get angry and to speak evil of others when they annoy me. You know, when I'm driving on the road and people cut me off or they go slow or if it's a traffic jam and people do all these things to annoy me, I get angry. And in the car, when I am angry, I start saying bad things about them. I start, you know, all those bad words start coming up. And I, I, I use my words in a way that I, I curse them. I get angry and I, I talk bad about them. It's so easy for me to get angry and to talk bad about people that cut me off or annoy me on the road. You know, it's a struggle also for me not to gossip about others. You know, when I see someone doing something wrong, sometimes I, I, I know I should not talk about this person. I know that I should go to this person alone and talk with this person alone, but... To sin, my sinful nature sometimes get, you know, I, I'm not able to control and, and I start gossiping about this person. I start telling others about what this person has done. You know, it's a struggle for me, friends. It's a struggle for me also not to speak harshly of people that fail to meet my expectations. For example, when someone is late, when someone doesn't reach my standard, when someone doesn't, you know, do uh, something the way I want it to be done. It's so easy for me to speak harshly of that person, to criticize that person, to speak words that will discourage that person. You see, friends, I struggle with my words a lot. And the fact is, I need God's help. I need God's help to control and to tame my tongue. But the fact is, we all struggle with our words. You know, whether we want to admit it or not, whether we realize it or not, all of us to a certain extent, we struggle with our words, especially when we are angry, especially when there are emotions involved, especially when we are pushed to the limits. That's when the bad words come out, right? We all struggle with our words, friends. But, you know, James is helping us to see that this, our mouth, our tongue, it's not something that we can control of our own. No, friends, we need God's help. Only God can tame the tongue. Only He can control our words. He can help us. And so we must ask Him for help. We must ask Him to take control of this tongue so that we can only speak words 
that will bring glory to him. Let's continue James chapter 3, 9 and 10. The Bible says, Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we man, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. You see, James is helping us to understand another issue that we have when it comes to our tongues. He's saying that we use our tongues to bless God, to praise Him, to give glory to Him, but we also use our tongues to condemn others, to speak evil of others. We use our tongues both to curse and also to bless. Now, what does this sound like? You use your tongues to bless and also to curse. Use your tongues for good and also for evil. What does that sound like? Friends, this sounds like a person that is double-minded. And where did we see the issue of double-mindedness? We saw it in James chapter 1. Let's go there. James chapter 1, verse 8. The Bible says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now, we learned in James chapter 1 that a double-minded man is, in, is unstable in all his ways. And this includes his words. You see, many of us, we are double-minded in the sense that we use our tongues in two opposite ways. We bless God or we speak good of those we like, but then we speak evil of those that we dislike, those that hurt us, those that annoy us. When we go to church, it's so easy for us to sing praises to God and to bless Him, but then someone comes along and they annoy us, they hurt us. We speak evil of them. We talk bad about them. We curse them with the same tongue that we use to bless God. And you see, friends, when we do that, we are double-minded. We are unstable in all our ways. When we do that, we are two-faced. We are hypocrites. Because how can we bless God with, the, with our tongues and then bless someone who was created after the image of God? Uh, you know, use our tongues to curse them. That, friends, is being double-minded. You see, God did not give us our tongues so that we can curse others. Let's continue reading. James chapter 3, 11 and 12. The Bible says, Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet, sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, figs, so can no fountain both yield salt, water, and fresh. Now here James presents us another illustration to help us understand better. And he asks us a few questions here. Does a fountain flow with both, both sweet water and bitter water? At the same time, what do you think? Obviously not, right? Have you seen a fountain that has done that? No, there is no such fountain. Can a fig tree bear olive berries or vice versa? No as well. But why is James giving us this illustration? What is he helping us to understand now? You see, when we think about the fountain, we think about the trees, they are all part of God's creation. And they were all created with a purpose. You see, when God created the fountain, its purpose was to bring forth fresh water. When God created specific trees, 
their purpose was to bear specific fruits, right? God didn't bear an apple tree, uh, create an apple tree to bear a mango or vice versa, right? They each have their specific purpose. In, in the same way, when God created us and when He gave us tongues, He gave us a purpose as well. And what is that purpose? Friends, God gave us our tongues so that we can bless others. God gave us our tongues so that we can uplift others. God gave us our tongues so that we can encourage others and so that we can pray for them. You see, when we use our tongues to curse others and when we use our tongues to speak evil of others, we are not fulfilling the purpose that God has set for us. We are going away from the purpose that God has given us. And you see, friends, it is no coincidence that when we think about creation, God used His words to create. You know, out of all the things that He could have done, God could have snapped, right? He could have blinked, but He used His words to create. Why? God wants us to understand that our words are powerful, that words bring a lot of significance. You see, we can use our words either to build someone up, to uplift them, to encourage them, or to tear them down, to discourage them, to drive them away. Our tongues are powerful, whether we use them for good or whether we use them for evil. But today, God wants us to use our tongues for good. He wants us to use our tongues to bless others and not to curse. He wants us to use our tongues uh, in the way that will fulfill the purpose that He has given to us. And so friends, remember that we were created with a purpose. God gave us our tongues with a, for a specific purpose. And today we must strive to fulfill that purpose. We must use our tongues to bless others so that it can be a source of encouragement and life to the person that we are speaking to. Well, let's continue reading James chapter 3, 13 and 14. The Bible says, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with the meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Now James all of a sudden brings up the wise man. Now where in the book of James so far have we seen the wise man? We saw him in James chapter 1. Let's go there. James chapter 1 and verse 5. It says, If any of you lack wisdom, <clears throat> let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. You see, the wise man, according to James chapter 1 and verse 5, is the person who will ask God for wisdom. But friends, here's what you must understand. Asking God for wisdom, it, it includes wisdom to know how to use our words, how to use our tongues in a way that we can bless others. It's knowing how we can use our tongues to fulfill the purpose that God has set for us. That's what it means to ask wisdom for God, from God as well. But James also says that if we have bitter envying and strife in our hearts, we must not glory and we must not lie against the truth. Now, what does it mean to lie against the truth? Now, I want to share with you some quotes from the writings of Ellen White. 
The first one can be found in the book that I may know him. Page 185, paragraph 2. Notice what she says. <clears throat> what is lying against the truth? It is claiming to believe the truth while the spirit, the words, the deportment represent not Christ but Satan. To surmise evil, to be impatient and unforgiving is lying against the truth. But love, patience, and long forbearance are ever in accordance with the principles of truth. Truth is ever pure, ever kind, breathing a heavenly fragrance unmingled with selfishness. You see, friends, when we claim to believe in God and we claim to be followers of Him, but our words do not reflect that, we are lying, we are lying against the truth. When we do that, we are only professors of godliness, but inwardly, we are just like the world, and inwardly, we are followers of the devil instead. So lying against the truth is being deceived that as long as I believe in Christ, as long as I follow Him, it doesn't matter what my words are. It doesn't matter the way I treat others. That, friends, is lying against the truth. Notice what she says also in the next paragraph. To be unkind, to denounce others, to give expression to harsh, severe judgments, to entertain evil thoughts is not the result of that wisdom which is from above. The language of the Christian must be mild and circumspect, for his holy faith requires him to represent Christ to the world. All those who abide in Christ will manifest the kind for giving courtesy that characterize his life. Their works will be works of piety, equity, and purity. They will have the meekness of wisdom and will exercise the gift of the grace of Jesus. You see, Ellen White is saying that if we have wisdom from above, it will be shown in the way we speak to others. It will be evident in the way that we use our words. And friends, if we want to control our words today, if we want to control this tongue, this tongue that is full of deadly poison, we must ask God for wisdom. We must not lie against the truth. We must ask God to help us. Well, let's continue reading. James chapter 3, we're looking now at verses 15 and 16. <clears throat> Notice what the Bible says. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Now, what wisdom is James talking about here? It is worldly wisdom. It's the wisdom that teaches us that our words do not matter. It's the wisdom that as long as I believe in God and I follow Him, it doesn't matter the way I speak to others. James says, this wisdom is devilish. And this wisdom is in contrast to the wisdom that comes from God. But friends, James is also helping us to understand that the reason why many of us are unable to control our words is because we have envy and strive towards others. The reason why, you know, bad words come out and harsh words come out, you know, it doesn't come out all of a sudden, right? Many times we get angry. Many times we get jealous. Many times we have all these bitter thoughts, all this strife in our hearts, and then the words come out. So our words are really a product of what goes on in here. So really, 
it's a problem of the mind. James is helping us to see the source, the root of it all. It is the mind. Our words, the, the words we speak, they are a product of what we are thinking and feeling inside. And therefore, friends, we need wisdom. We need wisdom so that we can deal with envy and strife. We need wisdom so when we have those thoughts, we have those feelings, God can help us. God can help us to overcome. God can help us to know how to deal with those feelings. So before we speak, before we speak harshly, before the words come out, we will be able to control our tongue. But we need wisdom because controlling our thoughts, controlling our feelings is not an easy thing. We need God's help. And so friends, we need daily to ask God to take control of our minds, to take control of our hearts, to take control of our thoughts and our feelings, so that no matter how we feel, no matter what people do to us, we can be in full submission to God. We will learn how to control our emotions and eventually our words as well. Well, let's finish up James chapter 3 with the last two verses, verses 17 and 18. She says, sorry, the Bible says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Now, James ends this chapter by showing us that the wisdom which comes from above, which comes from God, is pure. It's peaceable. It's gentle. It will produce good fruits in our lives. It will result in good words towards others. You see, instead of, you know, envying others and fighting strife with them, we will learn how to be at peace with one another. We will learn how to be at peace with them. We will learn how to use our words in a way that will not curse them or will not discourage them, but in a way that will be a blessing to them. Friends, this is the result of receiving that wisdom from God in allowing God to control our tongue and our minds, our thoughts and our feelings. Friends, this is what we need. If we want to control our tongues today, if we want to you know, be able to control our words. We need God's help. We need wisdom from above. We need to pray and we need to ask God to help us. Well, in closing here, I just want to share with you a few quotes from the pen of inspiration. Notice what Ellen White says. In historical sketches of the foreign missions of the Seventh-day Adventists, page 124, paragraph 3, she writes, The principle here laid down is the natural outgrowth of the Christian religion, especially will those who are engaged in proclaiming the last solemn message to a dying world seek to fulfill the scripture. Although possessing different temperaments and dispositions, they will see eye to eye in all matters of religious belief. They will speak the same things. They will have the same judgment. They will be one in Christ Jesus. Now, here in this passage, Ellen White is commenting on the verses that we just read in James chapter 3. And she is saying that this is what we need to achieve. We need to learn to tolerate each other. 
we need to learn to make peace with one another. We must learn not to have envy and strive towards one another. We must learn not to hurt one another with our words. You see, friends, we cannot preach the last day message if we do, if we do not learn to control our tongues. How can we, you know, go and preach the everlasting gospel, but then speak bad words, curse others with our words? Friends, it is, that is impossible. God does not, you know, God does not accept that. We must learn to control our tongues. We must learn to bring our feelings and our thoughts into subjection to God so that we can be at peace with one another, so that we will not have envy and strife that will result in harsh words spoken. One last quote. In the Review and Herald, July 22, 1890, paragraph 20, she writes, Brethren, <clears throat> God would work for us if He could do it safely. He wants to do great things for His people, but the strife of tongues has dishonored God weakened the hands of his professed children, and brought dearth and feebleness into the church. Is it not time to arise, to open the heart, to receive the rays of light that are shining forth from the living oracles? Is it not time that the love of God should be permitted to make its impress upon the soul, that Jesus may be glorified among those who claim to be his followers? You see, one of the things that has weakened our church today, one of the ways that the devil is attacking our church today is through the strife of tongues. You see, while we should be united in doing God's work, while we should be united in proclaiming the last day message and hastening the second coming of Christ, we are too busy finding fault with one another. We are too busy having envy and strife towards one another. We are too busy quarreling and arguing with each other, speaking harsh words and cursing each other. And friends, this is just what Satan wants us to do. He wants to distract us from the work that we must finish. And one of the ways is by bringing all these things into the church. It's by causing strife, by causing problems and issues, by causing church members to curse each other with their words. And so friends, we must realize this. This is something we must overcome. This is something that we must strive to achieve. Unity, oneness in God, able to bring all our thoughts and feelings into, sub into subjection, and able to use our words in a way that will only bless and not curse. And friends, how many of you today, how many of you realize that you struggle with your words? How many of you, as you reflect on your life right now, you realize that you struggle with your tongue? And how many of you realize that this is an issue, this is something that you cannot overcome on your own? You realize today, right now, that you need God's help. You realize that you need to ask God for wisdom so that you can control your tongue, so that you can control your thoughts and your feelings. Then friends, is it your decision today that you will use your tongues to bless and not curse others? 
It is, is it your decision to allow God to take control of that envy and that strife that you have towards those that you dislike, those that hurt you, <coughs> excuse me, those that annoy you? <coughs> excuse me. Is it your decision, friends, to allow God to take full control of your tongue and your words today? Friends, let us make the decision to surrender our mouths and our tongues to God so that He can control it. Let us ask God today for wisdom so that we can learn how to deal with envy and strife, so that we can learn to have peace with one another, and so that we, when we have achieved this as a church, we can go forward, we can preach the gospel, we can finish the work, and so that Jesus can come soon, friends. Let us realize that our tongues today, our words, and our mouths are just as important as everything else that we do in this life. And if we fail to control this, then we fail to control everything else. So let us ask God to help us. Let us ask for that wisdom from above so that we can truly control our tongues and so that truly every word that comes out of our mouths will be blessing to others, will be a source of comfort, peace, and encouragement to the people around us. Let us pray together, friends, as we close here. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the reminder in James chapter 3 that our words are important. The way we use our words and the way we use our tongues and our mouths today, they matter to you. But Lord, we realize that we cannot control our tongue. We realize that this tongue that is full of deadly poison, no man can tame. But we are thankful that you are able to. So help us. Help us to realize our need for your help. Help us to ask for wisdom from above so that we can control our tongues today. And Lord, teach us also how we can deal with the envy and the strife that we have in our hearts so that before we are so quick to speak harshly of others, before we use our mouths in a way that will hurt others, we will learn to surrender it to you. We will learn to make peace. We will learn to bless others with our words. Lord, we know that you are coming soon. We know that you are calling us today to be part of this special group, the 144,000. You are calling us to finish the work to preach the everlasting gospel. But we know that we need to control our tongues first. You're helping us to see that we cannot preach the gospel if we do not control our tongues. So help us. May you take control of our words today. May the Holy Spirit guide our day-to-day -day conversation. And may you use us to be a source of blessing, a source of life, a source of encouragement through our words to the people around us. Lord, we want to surrender our lives to you, and we pray that you would come in, you would live in us, and you would help us to speak words that will bring glory to you. Thank you so much, Lord, for hearing and for answering our prayers, for we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, thank you so much for joining us, and I hope that you will have a blessed rest of the Sabbath day. May God bless you, friends. Enjoy the Sabbath. May you experience His presence today, and may you have a blessed week that is coming as well. God bless, 
and take care. I will see you soon.